you don't know me, I am uh, an elementary guy, and so I do things in simple fashion, but it always has a point. And that's what we're going to start with today. So I, uh, I want to start with this and just say to you that, that you matter, you have a purpose, there's meaning for your life, and that no one is an accident, right? And I, I want you to understand that what we're going to talk about today is reading and listening, looking at God's word, and how can you apply it to your life each and every day. So with my students in school, I, I started out and I taught third grade. So if, if I taught something and I didn't like the way it went, I always adjusted it so that it suited my style, but I could get the message to them. This is one thing I used to do with them. I've got some peanut butter and some jelly and some bread. So I would say to them, I want you to write for me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, that's easy. I can do that. Okay, write me the directions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. These are actual things that were written for me. <laughs> See, what I didn't tell them was, I'm gonna make it then. So, here's one, get the knife. Here's the knife. Put the peanut butter on the bread, okay. Then put on the jelly, <laughs> eat and enjoy. Okay. Next one. Open the bread. We'll do that real quick. Then the next one says, open the peanut butter. And the next one says, open the jelly. I'm not going to pop the lid there. Put them all together. Eat your sandwich. <laughs> Last one. Open the bread. Get two pieces of bread. Now we're getting somewhere. Put the peanut butter on one piece of bread. Put the jelly on the other. Eat your sandwich and enjoy. What do you think? <laughs> now I know what I'm having for lunch. So part of the reason I would do that with them, you know, they, they would laugh and, and, you know, they're just learning how to write because they're young. But it's for a point, you know, you, you, you need to do everything each and every day for a reason. And so once I started doing all the things that I, I just did with you, with them, They'd say, oh, that's, that's silly. Come on, open it. You, you have to open it. You didn't tell me to open it. You didn't tell me to dip the knife into the peanut butter or squirt the jelly on, etc." So then I would go through and I would talk with them about uh, the fact that, you know, what is written, what you put on paper matters. Uh, how it is written matters. The details that you put in and or leave out matter. 
attempting to follow writing without some sort of guidance or intuition or reference makes all the difference in the world. If you believe that the Bible is the inspired written word of God, it should change your heart. It should change your thinking. The Bible was given to us by God using people, by changing their hearts. That's what inspired means. It changes how you interpret the world. It changes how you read and understand the Bible. It should then change your willingness to listen and do, as we read about this morning with the two passages that were read for us. Think about this one. If you believe God spoke through a donkey in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, have you read that before? To give Balaam a specific message about Balaam's purpose for traveling, then anything can be possible with God. God used a donkey to get Balaam to listen to him. Squeezed him up against the wall, made him pretty uncomfortable. And he decided, I better pay attention. The Bible was written by over 40 writers, written in three languages, covered three continents. Authors had a wide variety of occupations. They covered any topic that you can think of, and it never has contradicted itself. In fact, many people who have set out to prove the potential contradictions of the Bible have often become convicted by its consistency. One example was Simon Greenleaf. Simon Greenleaf was an atheist Harvard Law professor, lived in the early 1800s, and he wanted to prove that Jesus' resurrection was false. So Greenleaf became convicted, especially after he could not explain the dramatic change in the disciples' disposition after Jesus' crucifixion and their willingness to suffer and die for him. He had a difficult time with that. Lee Strobel, who was a, a journalist and author, for, uh, author of the, this book right here, Case for Christ. I don't know, maybe some of you have read it. Uh, he was an atheist. His wife was an agnostic. She became a Christian, and he talked about how difficult life was at home at that point when she became a believer. And it wore on him day after day. So he decided he was going to do his own personal investigation into the Bible and Christ's life. And he thought that he could be done in a weekend. <laughs> he admitted that. This will be done in a couple days. Took him almost two years. Took him almost two years of, you know, using his legalist type mind to investigate the case for Christ. And here's what he came up with as a conclusion. This is what he says. There's a, there's a lot in here, but I'm going to read you just the gist of, of um, how he felt inside after all this. He says, The atheism I'd embraced for so long buckled under the weight of historical truth. It was a stunning and radical outcome, certainly not what I had anticipated when I embarked on this investigative process. But it was, in my opinion, a decision compelled by the facts, all of which led me to the so what question. If this is true, what difference does it make? There were several obvious implications. I'm just going to read you his first two because they're pretty powerful. He says, if Jesus is the Son of God, his teachings are more than just good ideas from a wise teacher. They are divine insights on which I can confidently build my life. 
If Jesus sets the standard for morality, I can now have an unwavering foundation for my choices and decisions rather than basing them on the ever-shifting sands of expediency and self-centeredness, which we see all around us daily, do we not? So it certainly influenced his life and changed him. The believer has access to the deep meaning of the Bible through reading, study, you know, looking at words, passages, and their meaning, prayer, you know, petitioning the Lord, asking questions, and most of all, whatever we learn, applying it. So let's talk about hearing and listening a little bit as well. Many of you know I, I, I enjoy sports. I played football for 16 years, and, and we did well, and I was a quarterback. And so I was in charge of 10 guys constantly, and I had one rule. I talk, you listen. <laughs> it's that simple. I talk, you listen. Now, why is that? There's no way we're going to get anything done positively if we're all talking. It's not going to happen. So when we were congregated in a group, I, I can tell you I would not tolerate anybody else saying anything because then they're not getting what I have to get across. Now, when we were milling around and we were away from you know, that centralized huddle, that was different. And I never really fully understood how important that guideline was until, you know, later on, uh, you know, like when I got into my ed education field. Um, listening requires work. It requires energy. It requires your time. It requires your focus. And when it is done well, I am telling you, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Physically and mentally. When you give someone your undivided attention and display for them that you have open ears and you want to hear what they have to say. Jen and uh, our daughter and Judy and, the, and our grandkids were out eating a couple months ago. And uh, we, were, we were about finished and Jen knocks me on the, the arm and goes like this with her head. So I looked next to me and there's, there's a couple sitting there. They had just sat down. One's on one side doing this. And the one opposite the table is doing this. So I thought, all right, I got to watch this. Because I want to see if they interact with one another. So like I said, we were about done. But we were there another 15 minutes. The only time they verbalized anything was to their server to get their food. And I thought, well, now, I don't know them. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know their status. Maybe they had something they had to check on their phone. I don't get it. I'm sorry. Uh, if we're going out to eat, we're talking. We're not going to sit and stare at our phones. It takes energy, folks. You have to invest. Um, how about this one? Maybe I might strike a nerve with this one. So when you talk to somebody and you listen to someone, do you remain quiet and listen? Or do you start with the head bobbing? Yeah, 
Oh, I know. And we start the verbal stuff. I, 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 I. Follow me? It takes energy and focus to just be quiet and listen. But it's also very valuable. And as we go through this, I'm going to help you hopefully understand that. Um, so I'm going to say this, and I want you to think about it from now on. Listening is not formulating your response while somebody else is talking. Right? We all do it. I've done it. We're not to be formulating our response while they're talking to us. That should be secondary after we process what they have said to us. Think about that in the future. Sometimes when people listen, things get misinterpreted. Uh, again, I had a third grade student. I'll never forget this. I, I was teaching a health unit, and I was teaching about, uh, you know, the teeth and dental health and everything that goes along with it because that was one of the units we were working on and I had this little girl who she she used to hang on every word that came out of my mouth so I had to be careful what I said sometimes so her mother worked at my school so I come to school this one day she says oh Mr. Edder let me tell you what happened I'm like uh oh here we go she says Larissa went to the dentist yesterday I said okay and the dentist offered her a toothbrush when her visit was over. Yeah. She would not take it. Okay. She said, it didn't have the ADA seal. And you said that everything had to have the ADA seal or it's not good. <laughs> I said, well, that's not exactly what I said. I understand how she interpreted it that way. But what I said was... If an item doesn't have the ADA seal, then it's not approved by the ADA. Doesn't mean it's bad for you. So I had to go back and re-explain myself. But, you know, we all are capable of misinterpreting things if we don't listen closely and or ask questions. There is a big difference between hearing and listening. Right now you hear all kinds of things. You're not listening to them, though. Are you paying attention to the air conditioner running, or are you listening to me? You follow what I'm saying? There's lots of things like that. Hearing can be very passive. Listening is much more active. Hearing doesn't necessarily require you to, you know, become uh, active, whereas listening, listening requires you to do, as we read about this morning. Listening requires you to do. Uh, hearing, you don't necessarily have to focus on it, but when you're listening, you better focus. And uh, as I mentioned before, you know, hearing something doesn't necessarily re require a lot of energy on your part, but when you listen to someone, it requires a ton. After my parents, uh, I'd have to tell you the place that I listened, because my parents taught me to listen, especially my dad. But after them, I'd have to tell you, uh, without question, there's nobody even close uh, or closer in teaching me than my uh, college football coach, Dr. Joseph B. Fusco. He was a master teacher, and I do not say that lightly, uh, a master teacher. His winning percentage in 19 years 
as the head football coach where I played at Westminster, 81%. Now, I don't know if you know anything about statistics, but that is absolutely ridiculous for that period of time. But what he was good at is getting people to believe they could do more than what they thought they were capable of. Um, he could have coached anywhere in the United States of America, but he chose to work with guys like me. You know, um, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He really made you want to listen, but I can tell you I didn't want to hear a thing he had to say initially. <laughs> Not at all. He would give us a game plan like this piece of paper. I'd take it, on the desk it went, sat there all week. Friday I picked it up because that's when we had to turn it in. I never looked at it. Never looked at it. And so I struggled. And uh, I struggled in the classroom for a little while, and I ended up becoming ineligible. Yes, I was ineligible. If you don't know what that means, that means at that current point in time, I was not allowed to play because I didn't study. I thought playing basketball in the afternoon was more important, and I paid the price for it. Uh, so I brought a lot of those struggles on my own by not being willing to listen. So I will never forget him calling me into his office for a postseason meeting and said, uh, you know, do, do you want to play? <laughs> and I, I, I can tell you, I was extremely, I don't know if I've ever been extremely intimidated by anyone, but I was at that moment. Uh, so I ended up going to summer school where I met my lovely wife. Um, so really, to me, it was divine intervention. <laughs> and I passed my class because I put the time in and I studied. It never was about the fact that I couldn't do it. It was about whether I chose to do it and to pay attention and listen, etc. So that experience taught me to uh, much more deeply uh, apply, you know, the steps that I'm going to share with you right now, which is uh, how we look at our, our Bible every day. Read, study, pray, and apply. Read, study, pray, and apply. Read, study, pray, and apply. I started doing the same thing with my head football co coach, it's amazing how things turned around. I'm like, wow, this actually works. And yes, I prayed <laughs> that I wouldn't have uh, too many issues. But I learned to set goals, to prepare, to focus, to think critically beyond what I believed I could do. Little did I know that the pattern I learned directly applied to the Christian life, reading, studying, prayer, and application. So what do you need to know? You need to know that reading and listening requires action. So who's assisting you? Who are you listening to? Read your Bible. Be guided by its wisdom. English Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon once said that a Bible that's tattered and falling apart is a sign of a person who isn't. Say that once more. A Bible that is tattered and falling apart is a sign of a person who isn't. Now, I think you understand his point. He's not saying that, you know, that, that tattered Bible itself is, is saving you, but it's evidence that somebody's been digging in it. That's for sure. If we fail to read and listen, it has natural consequences, does it not? If we choose not to read and choose not to listen, it definitely has natural consequences. I'll bet you every person in here can tell me a story about when you didn't listen and you got the negative side of things. I did it fairly recently. 
and I'm good for doing it with stuff like this, technology. You can ask my wife. I'm terrible at, at emotionally handing it. It gets under my skin like nobody's business. When it works, it's great, but when it doesn't work, I get irritated. So when I first got this actual phone, my son said to me, who's very good with technology, he said, Dad, don't touch it until I get home. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Well, I, I, I lied. <laughs> so I sat down at the computer. I'm like, this can't be that hard. All right? So I open up the app that I had to open up, and I'm looking around, and uh, I read a couple little bylines at the bottom, and one of them looked right for iPhone. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. That's the way I saw it. I clicked on it. After I clicked on it, I downloaded all of my son's phone information onto my phone. So essentially, he had two phones. So he wasn't home at the time. He came home about five minutes later. So I had to tell him what I did. He said, I told you to wait. I know you did, and I should have, but I didn't. So I got, I got on the phone with you know, the people at Apple, and this sweet southern gal from Alabama spent 30 minutes with me on the phone, maneuvering stuff here, there, and everywhere. And I, 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 had, I literally had to hang on every word that she said to get it undone and then where it was mine. And I remember telling her, you know, she, she, she's like, oh, we can do this. I said, you, you don't know who you're dealing with here. She goes, I don't care. That's fine. We'll get it done. It'll be okay. And it was. It was good. It all worked out. But if we fail to read and we fail to listen, there are natural consequences. So why read? So we become more attuned to becoming better listeners and apply God's word appropriately. And because, as we read this morning, Satan knows Scripture. So that behooves us to really know Scripture. So Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11, we read this morning. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. <clears throat> and he, were, he was tempted several times. And each time, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He said, it is written. In the first one, you know, uh, the devil tempts him to turn stones into bread. And Jesus is hungry because it's been 40 days and 40 nights. He's been wandering through the wilderness. I'm, hung I'm hungry right now. And I had breakfast. I can't imagine 40 days and 40 nights. So what does Jesus do? He responds with Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. And he says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what Jesus puts right back at Satan. And Jesus is referencing the Israelites being led by God for 40 years, humbling them, and then providing manna for them. Why? To teach them that man doesn't live by bread alone. Trust God. Not yourselves. Trust God. He'll take care of you. Secondly, 
He takes him up to the temple, high point. He says, throw yourself down. Basically, it's a dare. It's a dare. <clears throat> He's tempt this tempting shows Satan knows scripture, but he applies it incorrectly, as Satan is a great deceiver. Satan says, um, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, he's quoting scripture, but he left one part out. Did you see that? He left one part out. Jesus responds with um, Psalm 91, 11, and 12. He says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, in all your ways, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He left that part out. Satan conveniently leaves it out and leaves the word guard out to try to trip up Jesus and get him to sin and thwart God's plan for salvation because then Jesus would have been an unworthy Savior. The Bible is to be taken as a whole and not conveniently dissected like we see Satan do it right here. It must be taken as a whole, just like when I mentioned about Numbers 22 with Balaam. Is that not hard to believe, though, the donkey? Seriously. <clears throat> the third thing takes him up to the mountaintop, shows him the kingdoms of the world, and again, Jesus responds with some Old Testament <clears throat> law and history. He says, Deuteronomy 6.13, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God, who is around you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. So Deuteronomy 6.13 God's speaking to the Israelites through Moses as they're camped outside the promised land. And Jesus' use of this passage reiterates to Satan that there's only one God to be served. And it's been that way forever. Satan speaks about the goodness to be seen from the heights of the mountain. The view had to be incredible. But he doesn't bring up any of what? Nothing negative. There, there's negative stuff going on down there, just like there's negative stuff going on right here, right now, in this land in which we live. You know, there's disillusioned people, there's poor, etc. But Satan doesn't bring that up. Why not? Doesn't help him meet his goal. Kind of like a beer commercial. Everybody in here has seen a beer commercial. Everything looks happy and fine, doesn't it? Right? They're banging glasses together, cans together. Everybody's out at the beach or whatever. They're having a great time. They don't tell you all the negative stuff, do they? They don't tell you about the fact that there's a lot of money spent that is wasted or the wasted time in places that one maybe shouldn't be or the disruptive negative behavior that is sometimes associated with it. You don't see that in the commercial. Why is that? You think many people would go out and buy it then? Probably not. They're not going to do it. <clears throat> so Jesus quotes the Bible to strongly rebuke the motivation of Satan and thwart Satan's goal of getting Jesus to sin. We don't have to guess 
whether Jesus listened intently to Satan. We know he did based on his responses and the rest of Jesus' life and story. In this case, Jesus' action was a series of multiple verbal responses. It's one example of why it's important for us to read, study, and pray about God's word. It assists greatly with us following God's will for our life and applying his word accurately and purposely each and every day. You're going to run into people. It's kind of hard to avoid, right? So the manner in which we prepare to run into those people is large. It is huge. What we do in our own private time and how we prepare is everything. It's everything. Jesus quotes the Old Testament law. We now have the New Testament. God used Jesus to resolve the law issue and daily sacrifices of the Old Testament by being sacrificed on the cross for all time. We are as believers now to be led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And that requires us and mandates that we read and that we listen by doing. When we read, study, and pray, the Spirit quickens us to respond and do things according to His will, not our own. You ever want to do things according to your will? I know when I do the things according to the will of Rich, sometimes they don't turn out too good. And it's embarrassing and shameful. <clears throat> when we read, we become enlightened, more aware and alert of how the Word changes us. I know that many of you have probably watched a movie, more, the same movie, more than one time. Have you not? Sure you have. And when you're watching that movie the second time or the third time, hey, I didn't see that. I didn't notice that. I didn't know they did that. It happens. Same way with God's Word. You read it, you see something differently than you saw it before, and it speaks to you. That's the Spirit of God telling you what's going on with His Word. <clears throat> Last Sunday, our son, Ryan, the one I should have listened to, well, he, he was here, he got engaged, and so they went to lunch after church, and uh, he and his fiance came over to the house afterwards, and we did something that I have not done, I'm telling you, in a long, long time. You know what we did? We sat down in the living room, and we looked at each other, and we talked. No TV. No radio. Nothing. We just talked. And it was one of the best afternoons I've had in a long time. It certainly is time for all of us to slow down. Because in case you haven't noticed, and I'm sure you have, the rest of the world is spinning out of control. Isn't it? It really is. But guess what? You can't control any of it. And neither can I. 
and I'm not even worried about trying to control it. I have enough of my own, <laughs> and I'm sure you do too. But that's exactly, that is exactly, that is exactly the reason why we need to read, study, and pray, and be prepared to listen and then do. Sounds simple. It's complex. Very complex. <clears throat> Minimize your distractions so that you can listen better. On what level do you listen to the Lord our God on a daily basis? He'll listen. Do you give him your joys and your sorrows? He'll listen. Do you ask for his guidance and wisdom? He'll listen. Do you ask for strength when you feel extremely weak? He'll listen. And the list goes on. 